Today, we'll continue with the player capsules. One of the more fun evaluations of this past season. We'll take a look at Miles Bridges, the positives and the negatives. Plus, there might be a new way to watch the Charlotte Hornets next season. We'll talk about all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free, we're available on all platforms, including YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Before we get started with Miles Bridges today, I just wanted to take a moment and look back at Friday's episode and just embrace all of the chaos that took place on that Hive Live. Did you watch it back, Doug? I watched part. I, I typically go back to the episodes and just watch parts of them. It's a little bit of quality check. It's it's really the only the parts where I talk. Uh, I just want to make course. sure that I'm as brilliant as I think I am. Uh, confirmed, by the way. I, was, the, was that confirmed on Friday for you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and the commenters, you know, I read the comments. If you don't think uh, I don't read the comments, you're crazy. I read the comments. I read the good ones. I read the bad ones. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get in there and I chop it up. I get the hand emoji in there, chopping it up with the commenters. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid, people. I thought about chopping it up the other day. People were mad at me about some of the Mark Jackson comments, like saying, and I was like, what are you talking about? This is all documented, reported, whatever. That was the only time I really thought about chopping it up. But other than that, I did want to just embrace brace some of the comments towards you and how great you were on Friday with the graphics, with just going off into Doug land and giving us the excellence that is Doug Branson. And I'm excited to see what you have for us today regarding Miles Bridges. Well, listen, I am a fully formed take machine, but the machine that is the show uh, is still a work in progress. We're getting better every day. We're taking it one show at a time. All of the pieces, we're making this show better. We're on YouTube now. You can see our, our faces. Uh, so I am a fully formed take machine, but the show, you, you know, are. we're still putting it together. But it's still, you know, I think it's great. I love the chaos on Fridays. If you if you don't tune in to us on YouTube any day of the week, just do it on Fridays. That's all I ask because it is crazy. David comes. It's a good time. It, it was a good time. We talked a lot about the coaching candidates. I thought that was a good show just about the information on the coaching mm-hmm. candidates who we like, we don't like. Um, you know, some of the positives that they might bring. And so if you want to go check that out, still relevant, haven't named a coach yet. So the Hornets have to do that before they get a lot of stuff done this off season. So you can go check that out on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast, the hive live coaching candidates. Now let's talk about miles bridges. This was always going to be one of the more fun player evaluations. And we're going to start with the positives here, Doug. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Some of the traditional stats, the counting stats that led him at least for a majority of the season to be in the MIP award conversation. Eventually he would fall out of the top five. I think he finished seventh, if I'm not mistaken. I know he was out of the top five altogether. And that was really surprising. If you would have gone even 
a couple of months before the season ended, I would have said he was solidly in the top five. But a Jordan Poole, a Tyrese Maxey, you have John Morant eventually get that award. You know, you have a couple of these other guys end up above Miles Bridges. Darius Garland is one of them. But the reason Miles is being talked about in that category, he increased his points per game total by almost eight. He averaged 20 a game this season. His rebound bounds per game increased his assists per game increased you look at him not necessarily shooting the ball as well as he did last year and we'll get that in the second segment but he shot a lot more he got to the free throw line still shot well from the charity stripe um a beast down low finishing at the basket lots went right for miles bridges this season doug Yeah, let me just run you through the very beginning of this season. So he opens that game against Indiana was really LaMelo ball takeover time. So he didn't get a lot of shots in this game. 13 points on eight attempts, four of eight from the field, eight rebounds, four assists. We thought after that first game, I think it was like, all right, this is the miles that we've come to know and love. This is, you know, generally his impact. He's going to score 20 sometimes, you know, but generally, you know, this is what he's going to give you. I was one of four from three in that game. But then explosion happens. Cleveland in a win, 13 of 24 from the field, 30 points. That's 54% shooting and seven rebounds. Next game against Brooklyn, that's also a dub. They opened the season 3-0. Nine of 16 from the field, 56%. 11 of 12 from the free throw line. This wasn't a guy that got to the free throw line a lot. 32 points, nine rebounds. When he got to the line, he was he was great. Um, but, you know, that was kind of the thing coming out of college, right? He didn't get to the line a lot because he wasn't driving a ton. Now he's driving a ton. Next game, 25 points. Next game, 31 points. Next game, 22 points. Next game, 19 points. All right, overall in October, those seven games he averaged 24.6 points on 51% shooting, 37% from three. It looked crazy. It looked like we were staring at a most improved player candidate, possibly, you know, an all-star candidate had he kept it up. Yeah, and I think that's true. And I think the shooting is probably what did not allow him to get some of those awards or maybe even climb like the other guys did. But we go through the points per game. I want to spend a little more time on the free throw attempts per game, Doug, because I think it made all the difference for him. Mm-hmm. This past season, he went to the line 4.2 times per game, and he had never gone more than twice per game the previous three NBA seasons. You mentioned it being a problem coming out of Michigan State. That was a well-documented thing. Like, why is this star, who is a bull when he drives to the drives to the basket, why is he not going to the charity stripe nearly enough? It just didn't make sense. All right, here's a physical player. He's athletic. He can finish well at the rim, and yet he's not going to the foul line nearly as much. <clears throat> that all changed this year. And, and plus, when he shoots above 80%, he shot 87% last year. It dipped a little bit, but 80% is still good. You'll take that every day of the week. So I was really happy to see him get downhill and really just thrive in space, which is always something he's been very good at. Here's the other thing too. When people attribute success based off what they see, like just the eye test, he looks more comfortable out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. If you go to some of those numbers that might be included in that category, it backs up the the comfort level of Miles Bridges, if that makes sense. So if you go to what Miles Bridges was able to do as far as an assist percentage, that goes up. So his usage percentage goes up from 17.3% last year to 22.6% this year. Okay. A 5%. Yeah. Very significant. Five percentage total increase. His 
his assist percentage goes up, which makes sense. It's from 11.4 to 15.7. Makes sense when your usage percentage goes up, but he actually is improving in that area, which is something we should note. All right, so his usage goes up, his assist percentage goes up. You would think his turnover percentage would go, would go up too, which is fine. Like that's what happens when you have the basketball in your hands, except it didn't. In fact, mm-hmm. it decreased even with him having the basketball and more in his hands. And not only did it decrease, Doug, it actually decreased a pretty significant amount. He had a turnover percentage last year of 13.6. This year it was 9.9. Despite having the basketball in his hands a lot more, despite Mm -hmm. playmaking for his teammates a lot more, his turnover percentage went down a lot more. That's not supposed to happen. That is what allowed Miles Bridges to be one of the better creators on this team allow himself to be in that MIP at least top 10, which is still something that we should, you know, sing praises to Uh, that. That's what you love to see, right? Like a guy understanding the game as he goes along in his career. And now we'll look at some of this other stuff in the next segment, but a couple of things that I think can be cleaned up. No stopping the dude. I mean, that, that, that player that improves shooting and defense, that player is worth $30 million. Yeah, it's interesting, but his role changed. And with that change came improvements in areas that we didn't see in previous seasons and came with some things that didn't improve or got worse that were really essential parts of his role before. So as the role changed, so I think he's in the process of putting it all together. But I'll say to stick with the good for Miles Bridges, I'll go bounce off of what you said on the the assist percentage and the turnover percentage. He was responsible with the basketball. He was he improved a lot of his game. Like obviously you're going to look at the points per game and go, "Wow, huge leap. 12.7 points per game in the previous season and then last season it went to 20.2." That's why he was in that those most improved player conversations. But he also improved his rebounding. He also improved his ball movement. And, and, you know, this team was a crazy good ball moving team. And part of that was the players with the balls, the ball in their hand the most were moving it. And Miles was a part of that. And finally, I'll just say that in a season where you didn't have as much Gordon Hayward as you obviously would have liked for this team, he was the player that you said, all right, we need a bucket, put the ball in Miles' hands he's going to go and drive it and get us an easy bucket here. And that's essential for a team. And I think, you know, that paired with Terry Rozier's clutch shooting and LaMelo's clutch playmaking allowed this team to win those 10 more regular season games. Had you not had this improvement from Miles, I have a hard time believing that this team was would have been, even oh, been yeah. in the play-in conversation. Oh, yeah, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. They needed this season from Miles Bridges. And just to finish up some of the positives, going back to his ability to draw fouls, last year he had 55 shooting fouls drawn. This year it was, or the year prior, this year it was 161. (laughs) He increased that by over 100, which is just ridiculous. Points generated by assist. This past year it was 754 compared to the year prior, 363. I mean, he doubled it. It's it's in, it's really incredible how he was able to improve so much this year. The on-off numbers are really good for him. And here's one other thing I want to mention. The versatility of Miles increased this year too, not only with the basketball in his hands, that's been well-documented with my point before, but if you look at his p- uh, position played percentage breakdown, he did. He played pretty much exclusively power forward last year. That's where James Borrego decided, you know what, this is where you're rolling with 
of where he played last year belonged at that spot. This year, he played just under 70% at the power forward position. And then he got moved up to three when Gordon Hayward goes down. You bring in PJ Washington, who we've talked about his versatility quite a bit, but they've also experimented with Miles at the center spot a little. And those were lineups that actually worked. Like Miles playing center had its moments. And here's the other thing I want to mention him and PJ. Well, there's a <laughs> lot. said that a lot here's, this segment. I know. And, and then one more thing A, one more thing B. No, the, remember the conversation about PJ and Washington my, or PJ Washington, miles bridges playing on the floor together. It was redundant. You're going to have to move on from one or the other mm-hmm. PJ Washington and miles bridges had the top plus minus of any duo on the Charlotte Hornets team that played any significant amount of minutes. How incredible mm-hmm. is that? Like this was a conversation we always had about one of them has to go. They just can't share the floor together. Well, in fact, they were the best at doing it. They were plus 2.6. And that, figured it that out. was, yeah, that's impressive. So awesome stuff to see. All right. Uh, we went through what's right with Miles Bridges. So coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, we're going to talk about what went wrong with Miles Bridges um, on the Locked On Podcast Network, not before we discuss betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, views and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses. That's already happened. And we're going to need to change the read. I should have not been Ron Burgundy and changed it, but I'm going to do better next time. Bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts, where can miles bridges improve? We'll talk about that next on the locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. talked a little bit about some of the things miles bridges needs to improve on Doug it's shooting it's defense. Those are the two things that clearly needs to take place. What kind of numbers or just notes do you have from this past season that would allow miles to improve even more than he did this past year? Yeah, I don't think you need to dig down into the advanced numbers to understand uh, really what happened with, with miles bridges and his shooting and his efficiency overall. I mean, the fact that he dropped from uh, a 40% three-point shooter in 2020-2021 to a 33.1 percentage shooter. That's with, with the the amount, the volume of threes that are being taken in the game today, that kind of dip, it doesn't matter how well you are at, at or how great you are at finishing at the rim, that's going to affect your overall efficiency. And it certainly uh, did for Miles. You know, defensively, you know, I thought, I expected a leap from Miles Bridges, honestly. That's where I expected a leap this season. I didn't expect the leap in the points per game production. You know, I thought certainly he would improve, not to the level he did. I thought he was really going to step up and be the defensive leader of this team, the the player that you unleashed onto the team's best wing. And it, and it just didn't turn out that way. There were just too many times where he was caught sleeping on back cuts and, and I just didn't regard him as like a really tough defender this season. Uh, and, and it was disappointing. It was P.J. Washington who ended up really being that player for the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, and the defensive stuff, it's not like he's lacking in a ton of athleticism. You know, we've no. 
<laughs> we've discussed maybe the lateral quickness, not being a strong suit. You know, I, it's not like PJ Washington is amazing moving from side to side, but he finds ways he's really smart defender. And I think that's where, <clears throat> excuse me, it comes from miles bridges. I think it's not that he doesn't understand the game completely. It's just that I, maybe there's just not the focus every single time down the floor. And you have to wonder, as we talk about quite a bit with the players that share a ton of the offensive load, which miles clearly did this season with his improvement. Mm-hmm. It, w- w- where is that balance? So I, to me, Doug, I don't think miles was so amazing offensively to where you'll give a little bit of an excuse here and there for his lapses on defense. If that makes sense for like we're Zach Lowe was talking about this on, um, on his podcast with, um, with Kevin O'Connor regarding Luka Doncic. Luka got picked on constantly in that Phoenix series in the game two, I think, in that second half where they just attack him a million times. But Luka is one of the best basketball players in the world offensively for sure. So how much leeway do you bake in there? At least some. Like, that's not the case with Miles, man. You know, there, there, there can't be the back cut that you just completely forget about in the most crucial of moments, you know, that, that just can't happen. We know that he is improved as far as an off ball defender overall, because it was pretty bad in years past. It still just isn't quite to the level. I think most people would like to see. And you even look at all of the advanced numbers that he's improved in this past year. You look at the defensive plus minus, you know, he actually was worse this year than he was in previous years. And, you know, defensive box plus minus, he was actually a minus 0.3 this season. Last year, he was a positive 0.1. So it's not like this huge drop, but it goes to show you he's kind of staying the same based off what we've seen, based off some of the numbers you might look at. Well, and as a team, they would often talk about how you know, this was a team that that was really powered by their offense. I mean, they weren't I, I don't think they really had a chance of being a great defensive team just because of personnel and, and they needed to make some internal improvements that didn't happen defensively that hopefully will happen next season. Uh, but I don't think they really had a shot at being one of the top five, ten defenses in the league, but they could have been average and they were below average. And part of that, as as documented by the team, was that they would have nights when they weren't shooting well or or, or they just weren't playing well offensively and they would let that leak into their defense. And I think I would put Miles in a group of players that was consistently, if he wasn't playing well offensively, him and like Terry Rozier, I think, if they weren't playing well defensively or offensively, they were generally going to be counted yeah. on to play poorly defensively. Uh, I want to do know one thing on the, the three points uh, conversation as well. Shot quality was there. Like he was, you know, if you look at the, the shot quality number from PVP stats, uh, you know, he was in the group of players that that were above average in shot quality with Kelly Oubre, with PJ Washington, with Cody Martin, and the bigs, which the bigs are always going to be high shot quality. Because and probably a Lamelo effect too there with your shot quality. In fact, I yep. did see a stat. I think like Lamelo was up with the best players in the game as far as other guys getting great shots, and mm-hmm. you know, just another Lamelo effect on this team. Yeah, totally. And so his shot quality was there. I don't think that was the problem. I don't honestly, I think it would be an interesting thing to dive into him, you know, in the offseason, you know, did some of the 
some of the things that he did in the previous offseason to improve on his ability to get to the rim, to get fouled, to generate offense, did those things leak into his ability to knock down shots? Was it mental? Was it something uh, you know technical in his shot? I think it would be really interesting to kind of explore that with him um, you know, after they all get back and get ready for the season. Uh, the, the, the final thing that I think went wrong for Miles this season that I don't even know if I put down in the rundown, but I just thought about, is just... I don't even know like what word, but like understanding time and situation. And there were a few times where he got technicals where it really wasn't helpful to the team. It was actually detrimental to the team. Obviously, he gets ejected in that Atlanta Hawks game, and it was a big deal. He throws his headband and hits a uh, young woman in the head. He didn't intend to hit the young woman in the head, but there was a fan that was heckling him. Anyhow, it became a thing. So poise. I think poise is the word I was looking for previously. He lacked poise in certain situations, and from a team leader, somebody that's going to be a top scorer, somebody that you might give a max contract to, <laughs> yeah. you hope, yeah. and that doesn't really have a reputation of this. This season was particularly frustrating, I think, for a lot of players. It seemed to be frustrating for Miles, but you hope that he has more poise you know, coming into these next few seasons if they extend him, you know, and give him the contract. I think that's even something he's maybe even alluded to, right? Mm -hmm. Miles said he has to be better in those situations. He, mm -hmm. He's mentioned that a couple of times. And then going back to the three-point stuff, because that it's just such a, a visibly in-your-face type of thing that he needs to improve on. It, it's another corner three-point detriment this year, Doug. It's weird how all of the players on this team just did not shoot as well from the three uh, from the three-point line in the corner as they did the year prior. Miles Bridges is probably the biggest victim of that drop. This year, uh, he shot 34.4% from the corners. And last year, he shot 43.6. That is a monster drop. 43.6 last year year to 34 this year i mean what a monster drop that is and if miles can just increase that to even 40 just shoot 40 that's going to really help you but the true uh, the true shooting is still at 60 which is above league average despite him not shooting well from three this season and it's almost like when he shoots he's like kind of turning he's got one leg out and one leg back i i wonder if that was kind of happening last year i i should have looked it up it's not going to take any time at all but like just the, the form almost kind of trying to, I don't know, put some body language into it, if that makes sense. It was kind of, I wonder if the form was consistent from year to year. Going back, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a shot doctor, so I don't pretend to be one on television either. Um, but I will tell you that on wide open attempts last season, when he was a 40% uh, shooter, he was 43% uh, on threes that were wide open. Uh, this past season, that number dropped to 37% on open shots yeah. where a defender is four to six feet away. Um, that number two seasons ago was 36%. And this season, let me double check. I think it was 31%. So that number on open attempts, yes, drops to 31%. So that's five percentage point drop on both of those um, and a seven percentage drop. Uh, and the tight, yeah, the tight coverage, closest defender tight coverage, it it falls it falls through the floor. So you know he was getting open attempts, and you know he wasn't knocking down as many of them as he did last season. Yeah, hopefully Miles can improve defensively, improve that shot. Whether they're just open, you still want him to play the same way though, right? The shot quality was there. He drove a lot more. It led to a higher free throw attempt rate. It, it's not at all. 
wanting him to play a different style offensively. I think this is perfect. I, I like the intention behind everything that took place this past year. Now it's just the whole make or miss league thing. Now it's just making those open shots, the corner threes and, you know, expanding upon that part of your game more so at least offensively. And then defensively, we all know what it is there. He's just got to stay in the moment. We can't underestimate what it means for a player's role to change and how that has ripple effects in their game, right? I mean, in previous seasons, I think his role was very tight. Like, I think there were certain spots in the floor and plays that were run where Miles Bridges knew exactly where he was going to be and could find that rhythm with those particular shots, especially, I mean, in his first couple of seasons, it was like Miles in the corner, Miles in the corner, Miles in the corner. That's where he was. As he's as he's getting better at both being a ball handler and just a team offense generator, his role uh, is expanding. And so sometimes he has to find his own shot. And, and so that's a whole different ball game. So we can't underestimate that. Also, the offense in the four years uh, that Borrego was coached got more and more, and, and LaMelo Ball accelerated this through the roof. The offense got more jazz. It got more I- improvisational. It got less structured. And so, again, I, I think just all of that combined together, Miles, you know, I think Miles is going to spend this offseason obviously working really hard on all of this. Um, he said so in his uh, post game or his postseason, you know, wrap up interviews um, that he, he's going to work hard on this. And I think that's where the work has to come. Like as you generate all of this offense and it gets more improvisational, how do you find that three point shot? How do you knock it down consistently? Um, I think he's going to figure it out. Yeah, I do too. And assuming that he comes back, maybe that's wrong to do, but let's just assume that he comes back. Him having that extra year with LaMelo is only going to help having an extra year playing maybe that style of offense. A lot of that's going to have to do with whatever coach comes in and whatever style he wants to implement. But hopefully he allows LaMelo and Miles to create that jazz that you're talking about. And I, I just think it goes back to what Gordon Hayward talks about when he would mention the Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz or some of these other teams that were among the best, at least in the regular season, he would say they've been together a long time. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to LaMelo saying, if you want to build something, it's important to bring back Miles Bridges. And so as these guys get more comfortable with one another, and then you start to figure each other out a lot more, right? LaMelo, it's funny because, yeah, this was his second year in the league this past season, but that's still less than quite a bit of other two-year players in the league because of the shortened season, because Mm -hmm. of how quickly he had to be thrown into the process because of the pandemic and how it affected things like this, uh, all and the injuries injury. that, that you draft know, class. In, yeah. And injury too. Injury. And COVID yeah. weird, just kind of weird. Um, so we'll see how all that that's takes place. So, all that's right. such, I know this season's about miles. I know that's such a great point though. When we talk about the development of LaMelo ball and what we're expecting, what we're going to see from him, like we just, the, the expectations cannot be, the, the simple expectations that we have for a second or third year player. We have to take those things into account and be and marvel at the fact that he's already been an all-star despite all of those challenges. Pretty crazy. And uh, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's important to, as you're having these negotiations with miles bridges and his next contract, obviously you want to try to take care of the financial health of the team, but I think you do have to make those considerations and think, Hey, this could help us retain if LaMelo, if LaMelo thinks that Miles is important, that's something that we have to factor into the money. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Humdinley D! 
We'll talk about maybe a new way that you can watch the Charlotte Hornets this season, which I'm kind of hopeful for. Hopefully that is going to take place. We'll talk about that possibility. But now before we talk about Bilt Bar, because summer is on its way, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Bilt Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags. You can throw them in your kids' backpacks. You can make sure that everyone has a Built Bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars is that they're healthy and they're delicious. You don't have to sacrifice one or the other. You can get healthy food with it also being covered in 100% chocolate and just tasting really good, whether it be an OG flavor, a staple, just like like your normal chocolate, maybe some of the intersection with chocolate and fruit, like banana, cream pie, banana and chocolate, orange, raspberry. It's all so very good. And they really don't top more than like 150 calories per bar. That actually might even be on the high note. It's so good. Go to built.com, use promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Let's try to get you a new way to watch the Charlotte Hornets next season. We'll talk about it coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Tip off. Boom. I grab it. Triple threat. Let's go. Let's go set our offense and let's All go punch threats, above our way. I'm ready. Grab it. A player rolls up to me immediately, is on me extremely fast, grabs the basketball. And so now we're trying to fight for it. I'm like grabbing it. He's grabbing it, ripping it. Boom. Rips it. Says, give me that. Throws it, transition to nothing. We lose like fifty to twenty. Just ripped it from me. That's I, honestly, I think honestly, I think that story is sadder than your heart problems. <laughs> it is. I, you know, I'll take the heart problems all day long. Just don't embarrass me in front of everybody at UNC. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug, I, I think something we're all hopeful for is just in easy way for cord cutters to watch the Charlotte Hornets. Like it's, it's been, it's been such a complaint from me, from everybody else. How in the world can we do this where it's just easy, you know, cause there are ways to do it, but it's always a hassle. And plus it always hurts fandom. You know, I mean, we, we want to be a fan and yet these leagues, baseball is notorious for this, you know, leagues make it so hard for you to consume and enjoy their product. I mean, you would think the leagues would come in. I, I understand the business relationship between some of these, you know, providers and the league itself, but you have to imagine the league is like, they, they want to consume our product. Let's please allow it to be easy. Well, that might happen, Doug. I know you have some information on that. Oh, so it, it appears that uh, Bally Sports is going to uh, unleash upon the world a over-the-top service. Boy, do we need another one of those. Folks. Yeah, maybe I'm another... like overselling this, to be honest with you. I just am happy that there's a new avenue that would allow us to to watch. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it is, it is incrementally better uh, than some of the options that people had. I think... So it, it looks like it's going to be $20. Uh, I'm sure they'll have, you know, official announcements and all kinds of stuff. I just think it's interesting... Uh, that they've allowed all of this time to go by without offering this kind of alternative for people who are are in the viewing area. Because people like me, I mean, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, so I can hook up League Pass. I do the one team. Um, other than the times when they pay, play the Grizzlies or the Hawks, because for some reason both of those teams are in market for me, <laughs> yeah. um, then I have to find alternatives to watch the Hornets. 
Um, but otherwise, I can watch all of those games easily. But if you are anywhere within the viewing area of the Charlotte Hornets, those things are going to get blacked out. You know, now at least you'll have an opportunity to fork over $20 a month if you so choose and watch those games. But all of this time has gone by, and I think people have uh, searched out cord cutters because you can't watch it on YouTube TV. You can't watch it on Hulu. All these RSNs have said, no, 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 these are, this is our stuff. You can't have this stuff. Um, and so, but, but they don't understand that. Like when they say, Hey, YouTube TV, you can't have this stuff. Hey, Hulu TV, you can't have this stuff. What they're really saying is, Hey fans, you can't have this stuff. And so then fans go, well, I want to watch the team. I'm going to find out how to watch the team. And they go to these, you know, sketchy websites. And now I think a lot of people have figured this stuff out. I'm, I'm interested to see how well this thing does. It doesn't help me at all because all of these RSNs are still region locked. So like, if I want to watch the Hornets, I still have to go to league pass. I still, I can't like hook up Valley sports South for $20. I don't think it doesn't appear to be that. Well, and that, and I guess, yeah, man, that, that comes to the point where maybe I was overselling it a little bit because like if, if I guess, do you, are you going to have to have, you know, cable? I, I haven't, I haven't read. No, this. you're not so, going to have to have yeah, cable. Right, you're not right, going to have to have right. cable, but you will have to be within that. Right. And they, you know, because of IP addresses and stuff, they know where you are. Right. Um, and I'm sure there are various ways to get around it, but I, and I'm sure the commenters will, will put in all kinds of ways and that's fine. I'm just, but he's I, not I, asking I you. I'm getting a lot. Uh, yeah. Huh? Huh? <laughs> um, but uh, but that's fine. But a lot of people aren't going to go down all of those avenues to figure all of that stuff out. So uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a step, but it's a weird step. So all of this because it just seems so simple to people like you and I. We're like, hey, NBA, make it easier to watch the product. The problem is that all this stuff is wrapped up in this time and place in our history. It wasn't too long ago, but technology is moving very quickly when the NBA had a problem. They have a product. They want to show that product to the world. They need to partner with people that have the technology and the money and the things that are necessary to put that signal out into the world. Those were RSNs. Those were you know the cable providers, all of that stuff. Well, of course, the internet has just completely upended all of that and, and how fast everything is and the ability for people to run their own networks is crazy. Um, I don't know why the NBA keeps fouling up League Pass. League Pass is an embarrassment. I mean, at least MLB, they have a functioning product, an over-the-top service of their own. Um, I, I don't remember what it's called, MLB first inning or something. But um, that inning, thing is, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that thing is good. The NBA League Pass is, is a disaster on 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 every level, on an access level, on a technical level. Um, it's just it makes it more difficult, even for people like me who paid the money to get one team. It's it's just a giant disaster. Uh, I don't get it. I think the NBA has to continue to strongly, in whatever way possible, contractually unwind all of the impediments for the NBA to say, hey, world, we have a product. Here you go. Watch it in the way that we want you to watch it. Pay us the money. Give us, here's a gambling advertisement. Give us the money. Forget RSN. Forget all of this stuff. Because it's just what we have now is unbelievable. I hope that when my daughter 
grows up, if she's interested in watching basketball, that she lives in a world that it's just <laughs> much easier than what the NBA has made it. Yeah, uh, I I think that's a good thing to shoot for. That's that's your one request for the world to be better for your daughter to live in. It's that we be able to consume the NBA's product at a better level and more efficient level. And that's all even if you don't live in the city of Charlotte, uh, you want to talk about coaching rankings real quickly. James Plowright, he is a, a part of Sports Illustrated. We've given him a couple of shouts here. Does an excellent job covering the Charlotte Hornets. Did a really cool thing, and he's done this before, where he kind of polls any Hornets content creator, and he asks anybody who was a part of this to rank their top seven coaching candidates listed within this specific category of people that have maybe been linked to the team, right? So like a Quinn Snyder wasn't included, um, a Mike Brown, who was actually just hired by Sacramento. We'll get to that in just a moment. But he wasn't... He wasn't included, right? So only guys that have been linked to the Charlotte Hornets in one way or the other. And nine people, I think of the 14 content creators that he asked, nine people voted Darvin Ham as their number one coaching candidate. Assistant for the Milwaukee Bucks. We talked a little bit about that on Friday. So the results came in and it was Darvin Ham was number one. Mike D'Antoni came in at two. Kenny Atkinson at three. Sean Sweeney at four. David Vanterpool at five, Mark Jackson at six, and Charles Lee at seven. And Charles Lee, probably the least known about guy, but he's also an assistant on that Buck staff under Mike Boonholzer. What did you make of these rankings, Doug, when you saw James Plowright put him out there? I'm fine with these rankings. No. Um, I, you know, Dan Tony is my pick, um, but obviously uh, I've been very vocal about that on the show for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons that we, um, you know, I, I just think he's he's the right coach for the moment. Uh, honestly, I think Darvin Ham would be a fine coach. I think he would be, I, I can't guarantee it. I mean, because we don't have, you know, we, we don't have that record of head coaching experience to really lean on there. But, but I think from all accounts and, and his philosophies and, and his experience, you know, under some great regimes, you know, I think he would come in here and do a fantastic job. Uh, but I just don't think he, I don't, A, I don't think he's the right coach for the moment. And B, I think that he is not going to want to coach Charlotte. I think he has bigger franchise aspirations. Um, you know, possibly the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll see. Uh, but I, but I think Mike D'Antoni is the easier sell. And I think honestly, because of his um, experience, he can come into this core group and have a lot of cachet and say, "Hey, I've I've gotten 50 wins. I know how to get us there. I've gotten to conference finals. I know how to get us there. If you listen to me." And, you know, I've got some philosophies here that seem to line up with your superstar point guard. You know, if you if you follow me, I'll take you there. Um, that's that's my pick. Yeah, I, I went. So I, I put together my rankings, too. I was a part of this poll. Darvin Ham was number one. They, David Vanderpool is two for me. He just gets so many endorsements from star players. And, and I, I want that relationship. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum developed under him. They love him. Carl Anthony Towns during Vanderpool, Vanderpool's time in Minnesota endorsed him as a head coach. I just, I like that. So I put him at number two. There's some other things. I just don't want to go into too much detail. Sean Sweeney for three. And then I put Mike D'Antoni four. like I, after kind of oh, looking yeah. at Atkinson, well, it's better than what I had him, you know, it was at fifth. Um, but then I put Kenny Atkinson kind of behind D'Antoni, but here's the thing, Doug, it's kind of like what you said with Darvin ham. Like I, I want to take the swing for the fences on a young coach that can come in and grow with this young roster. We've gone through that philosophy already, but it's not like D'Antoni's a bad choice by any means. In my opinion, I'd be, I'd be cool to roll with D'Antoni and it goes to the mode of this being a good group of names overall. 
yeah. I don't, you know, for the most part, I mean, I, I, I can't besides Mark Jackson, I can't think of another guy that could come in here and I'd be angry at like even Charles Lee, I have him so far down the list, but I just don't know anything about him. You know I mean? He's, he's just, he's been on the staff for Mike Budenholzer quite a bit. And, and I put him six, but other than that, um, you know, those are my rankings. And By it's the way, overall a good Sacramento. Yeah. You had one job, Sacramento. You had one job to hire Mark. Jackson. <laughs> just, That's yeah. all you had to do. You just had to hire Mark Jackson so that the right. Charlotte Hornets could not even consider mm-hmm. hiring Mark Jackson. And you went and you went and got another. Instead of getting the former Warriors head coach, you went and got another Warriors assistant. That's in right. Mike Brown. Um, by the way, I, I do like that hire for them, but I, like I want, I totally get what you're saying and I'm on board hundred percent of the way they, they just need a grown up. They need a dude that you talk about having successful seasons coming from a successful franchise, just being a grown up in the room that is going to have to deal with all of that nonsense that takes place in Sacramento land. I, I just like, okay, they hired a really competent guy in Mike Brown, just come in and straighten everything out and just get this franchise on the right path and and hope I, I don't know if Sacramento is going to allow him to do that but Mike Brown just an overall stand-up guy in the association I feel and, bad and, for and, I feel bad I know, for Mike I, know Brown. I know I feel bad for Mike Brown <laughs> yeah. he's gone yeah. into a franchise that is so dysfunctional it can't even dysfunction correctly right um prayers to you Mike Brown hopefully everything works prayers out for you in Sacramento all right that'll do it for this edition of Lockdown Hornets thanks for hopping on with us we always appreciate your support and making us your first listen every single day now make your second listen Locked on NBA from the first jump ball of the play in tournament to the last possession of the finals locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. We'll continue our player capsules. We'll keep you up to date on the coaching candidates. We'll let you know the Charlotte Hornets make a hire at any point. There's a lot of candidates now. They've interviewed quite a few guys, so maybe an announcement could be coming at some point this week. We'll keep you in tune here on the locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the locked on podcast network.